are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, the reader and commentator on this podcast about the Mystical City of God by Venerable Maria Vagrida. Today is day 11, and we'll read from chapter 6 of book 1 of volume 1. Concerning a doubt which I proposed regarding the doctrine contained in these chapters and the answer to it. We begin today with paragraph 72. In regard to the significance of the doctrine contained in the last two chapters, a doubt occurred to me, and I have often heard and been informed by learned persons that the same is discussed also in the schools. The doubt was as follows. If the principal motive of the incarnation of the Word was to make him head and the firstborn of all creation, and through the hypostatic union with human nature, to communicate his attributes and perfections in a manner befitting his grace and glory to the predestined, and if to assume flesh capable of suffering and dying for man was a secondary motive, then, if these assumptions are true, how comes it that there is such a diversity of opinion in regard to it in the Holy Church? The most common assumption is that the eternal word descended from heaven expressly for the purpose of redeeming man through his most holy passion and death. This doubt I proposed humbly to the Lord. After giving me an understanding and a great enlightenment, by which I perceived and understood many mysteries, he condescended to answer me. The mysteries themselves I cannot explain, because the words of the Lord comprehend and mean so much. But his answer was as follows, My spouse and dove, hear, for as a father and a teacher I will solve thy doubt and instruct thee in thy ignorance. Know that the principal and legitimate end of the decree which I had in view in resolving to communicate my divinity in the hypostatic union of the word with human nature was the glory which would redound to my name through the communication and also that which was to redound to the creatures capable thereof. This decree would, without doubt, have been executed in the Incarnation, even if the first man had not sinned, for it was an express decree, substantially independent of any condition. Therefore, the intention of my will, which was primarily to communicate myself to the soul and humanity of the word, was to be efficaciously fulfilled. This was conformable to the justice and rectitude of my works, and although it was subsequent in its execution, it was nevertheless antecedent in my intention. If I waited before sending my only begotten, it was because I had resolved to prepare for him beforehand a holy and select congregation of the just, who presupposing the fall of mankind would be like roses among the thorns, that is, the sinners. Foreseeing the fall of the human race, I determined by an express decree that the word should come in a form capable of suffering and death for the redemption of his people, whose head he was to be. Thus, my infinite love for man could be so much more known and manifest, and a just satisfaction would be rendered to my equity and justice. And if he who was to be first in existence was a sinner, he that was to be first in the dignity would be the Redeemer. Thus also men might come to know the gravity of sin and love one and the same Creator, Vivifier, Redeemer, and Judge of all mortals. I also wished, as it were, to compel them to make a proper return of gratitude and love, refusing to punish them without reprieve, as I have punished the apostate angels, but pardoning them and looking upon them with mercy, I offered them an opportune remedy 
by executing the rigor of my justice upon my only begotten Son, and reserving for man the kindness of my great mercy. And in order that thou mayest better understand the answer to thy doubt, remember that there is neither any succession of time in my decrees, nor any need of it, for the perception of the execution of them. Those that say that the word became incarnate in order to redeem the world say well, and those that say that he would have become incarnate also if man had not sinned likewise speak well, only it must be understood in the right way. For if Adam had not sinned, Christ would have descended from heaven in that form which would be suitable to the state of man's innocence. But as Adam sinned, I resolved by the secondary decree that he should be made of passable nature, since for seeing sin it was proper that it should be repaired in the way in which he has done it. And as you desire to know how the mystery of the Incarnation would have taken place if man had preserved the state of innocence, know that the human substance would have been essentially the same as now, only it would be clothed with the gifts of impassibility and immortality, such as my only begotten, possessed after his resurrection and before his ascension. He would live and converse with men, the hidden sacraments and mysteries would all be manifest, and many times would his glory shine forth as it happened once in his mortal life. He would, in that state of man's innocence, have become manifest to all men in the same manner as he once showed himself to the three apostles in his mortal state. All those on the way to heaven would see the great glory of my only begotten. They would be consoled by conversing with him, and they would place no obstacle to his divine workings, for they would be without sin. But all this was impeded and spoiled by the guilt of sin, and on that account it was proper that he should come in passable and mortal nature. The existence of different opinions regarding these sacraments and other mysteries in the church arise from the fact that I manifest and give light concerning one set of mysteries to some teachers and illumine others concerning other mysteries. For mortals are not capable of receiving all the light. It is not expedient that the knowledge of all things be given to one man, as long as men are viators. For also in the state of comprehensors they obtain them in parts and according to the state and the merits of each. But the plenitude of all gifts is due only to the humanity of my only begotten and to his mother in proper proportion. The other mortals receive it neither entirely, nor is it always given so clearly, as to assure them altogether. Therefore they must acquire by means of study and the use of letters and the science. There are also many truths revealed in holy scriptures, and to some men light is given from above. Yet, as I leave most men to work by their natural light, it must follow that they understand these mysteries in different senses, and that there exist different explanations and different meanings regarding the different passages in scripture. For each adheres to his opinion according to his understanding. Many have a good intention, and the light and truth is essentially one. But it is made use of with diversity of judgment and inclinations, so that some adhere to these teachers, others to those, and so the controversies arise among them. One of the reasons why the opinion that the word came from heaven mainly for the sake of redeeming the world is more common can be partly explained by the fact that the mystery of the redemption with its object has already been consummated and has been mentioned so often in scriptures, thus causing it to be better understood and manifested. The impassibility of Christ, on the contrary, was neither effected, nor was it simply 
and absolutely decreed. All that pertained to the state remains concealed, and nobody could be sure of it, except those particular ones whom I select for the reception of that light and for the revelation of this decree of my love for man. And although this would certainly be capable of moving men, if they would ponder over it and penetrate it, yet the decree and the work of his redemption from sin is more powerful and efficacious to move them towards some acknowledgement and return of my immense love. For this is the end which prompts my works. Therefore I fittingly provide that these motives and mysteries be kept especially before the mind and more frequently expounded. Advert also that in one work two results can well be intended, when one of them is conditional. Thus it was that the word would not have descended in passable flesh, if man had not sinned. And if he would sin, he would come in a body capable of suffering. Whatever would happen, the decree of the Incarnation would not be left unfulfilled. I desire that the sacraments of the redemption be recognized and be held in esteem and that they be always remembered in order that they may bring the proper fruit. But just as much I desire that the mortals recognize the word as their head and as the final object of all creation of all the rest of the human race, for conjointly with my own kindness, his formation was the principal motive for giving existence to the creatures. Therefore, he should be honored not only because he has redeemed the race, but because he furnished the motive for his creation. Take notice also, my spouse, that very often I permit and cause differences of opinions among the doctors and teachers. Thus, some of them maintain what is true, and others, according to their natural disposition, defend what is doubtful. Others, still again, are permitted to say even what is not true, though not in open contradiction to the veiled truths of faith which all must hold. Some also teach what is possible according to their supposition. By this varied light, truth is traced and the mysteries of faith become more manifest. Doubt serves as a stimulus to the understanding of the investigation of truth. Therefore, controversies of the teachers fulfill a proper and holy end. There are also permitted in order to make it known the real science dwells in my church, more than in the combined study of all the holy and perfect teachers that she can make them wise above the wisdom of the worldly wise, that there is above them one who is the prompter of the wise, namely myself, who alone knows all and comprehends all, who weighs and measures without ever being measured or comprehended, that men, although they may search my judgments and testimonies, ever so much cannot attain them unless I give the intelligence and light, who am thee, who am the beginning and the author of all wisdom and the sciences. I desire that men, in acknowledging all this, give me praise, exaltation, confession, supremacy, and glory forever. I desire also that the holy doctors acquire for themselves much grace, light, and glory by their earnest, laudable, and sacred study, that the truth be more and more clearly detected and purified and be traced to its sources. By humbly investigating the mysteries and the admirable works of my right hand, they come to be partakers of them, and by the bread of understanding the Holy Scriptures. I have especially shown my providence in regard to doctors and teachers, although their opinions and doubts have been so diverse and for such different ends. Sometimes for my greater glory and honor, sometimes for earthly purposes, they are permitted to dispute and to contradict each other. And there is a great inequality in the manner in which they have proceeded and do proceed to show their emulation and earnestness. But with all this, I have directed, governed, and enlightened them, 
giving them my protection in such a manner that the truth may be investigated and clearly manifested. The light is spread out so that many of my perfections and wonderful works have been made known and the holy scriptures have been interpreted according to high standards, which has been very pleasing to me. For this reason, the fury of hell with inconceivable envy, especially in these our times, has raised its throne of iniquity, pretending to engulf the waters of the Jordan and obscure the light of holy faith by heretical doctrines and seeking to sow its false seeds by the help of man. But the rest of the church and its truths are in most perfect order. The Catholics, although much involved and blind in other respects, hold nevertheless the truths of faith and its holy light without diminution. I call all men with fatherly love to share this happiness, yet few are the elect who choose to respond to my call. I also desire thee to understand, my spouse, how well my providence disposes things in such a way, that the teachers, by the diversity of their opinions, and by their own diligent exertion and study, scrutinize more deeply my testimonies, and thus lay bare the marrow of the holy scriptures to wayfaring men. But it would be very pleasing to me and in harmony with my service, if learned persons would extinguish and do away with pride, envy, ambition, after vain honors. Also, all the other passions and vices which arise from them, together with the bad seeds that are likely to be generated from that sort of occupation. But I do not root out this bad seed at present, in order that the good may not be rooted out with the bad. All this the Lord spoke to me, and many other things which I cannot make manifest. May his majesty eternally be blessed, who without disdaining the insignificance of so incipient and useless a woman, deemed it proper to enlighten and to satisfy my ignorance, in so bountiful and merciful a manner. May the blessed spirits and the just of the earth give him praise and thanksgiving without end. This concludes our reading today from chapter 6 of Book 1, Volume 1, from the Mystical City of God by Maria of Agreda. Today we read paragraphs 72 to 79. One of the things that strikes me is that Maria of Agreda begins with a doubt. She begins saying, this is a teaching that maybe I had some doubts that arose in my mind and I want to understand them. And I think in the spiritual life sometimes in our relationship with God, we might have different doubts that take place in our life. And I think it's good for us then to bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, these are my doubts. Remove my doubt. Increase my faith. Help me understand. So many people in our world today, in our Catholic faith, don't believe in the holy presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Well, if you are doubting the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and if you are, you probably wouldn't be listening to this, but if you are, and you don't know if it's really Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, well then, go into the church and ask the Lord to reveal himself powerfully through the Blessed Sacrament to you. We can ask the Lord, and the Lord can direct us. He can help us in our understanding. I love this one line that kind of gave us some divine titles of God. Creator, vivifier, redeemer, and judge of all mortals. Well, God created us. 
God created everything around us. That's what this whole book is about, is creation as we begin in the first volume of the mystical city of God and especially the creation of the mother of God in the mind of God. God is the vivifier. He gives life. He breathes life into Adam. He breathes life into Eve. He is the vivifier. Jesus raises the dead to life. He takes those who are spiritually dead and makes them awake again. God is a vivifier. God is our redeemer, as we've heard. And this whole teaching was about the incarnation and God as redeemer and some doubts, you know, was there, what if man never failed? What if man never fell? Would Jesus have to die? And so that's really what was being addressed here in our reading today. If I had to guess, one of the things that's really on the mind of Maria of Agreda is the great division over the Immaculate Conception between two different schools of thought. This is probably why these doubts are entering into her mind. You have the Dominican school and you have the Franciscan school, and there are just these very little minute nuances that cause these doubts. Because one position says this, the other position says that. In the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, the church actually espoused the Franciscan school. But I think that these are the doubts, the differing of opinions that Maria of Agreda here is referencing in our reading today. God is the author of all knowledge. We heard that. He is the source of all knowledge. God knows everything. God is omniscient. And as we make our journey through life, we want to come to know God. We want to come to know his ways. We want to come to know him. Not only do we want to know God the Father, but we want to know God the Son and know God the Holy Spirit. We want to know the Blessed Virgin. We really want to have this deep knowledge. That's why you're listening to this podcast. It's why you want to read The Mystical City of God. You want to know God better. You want to know Mary better. And so we'll continue reading tomorrow through The Mystical City of God by Venerable Maria of Agreda. May God bless you and Mary pray for you.